you're listening to the Tone Bass Classical Guitar Podcast. We've got Ben Verdery joining me on the show today. When I was back in New York in March doing uh, the series of interviews with the East Coast-based artists, Ben was the first person I met with, and we had just such a wonderful conversation, which ended up in more than two hours worth of recordings. And I was starting to piece together the episode and edit things out, and I was just really agonizing which parts to keep from the interview uh, for this episode. I decided it's all wonderful material. Um, So I've decided to release this over two episodes or two parts. Uh, First part being today, of course, and then next week I'll release uh, part two. And I'm sure many of you already know the wonderful Benjamin Verdery, fantastic player, Uh, professor of guitar at Yale School of Music, and he's also quite well known for some really unique um, non-traditional collaborations, which is what this section of his episodes focuses on. Next week, you'll hear him talk about his teaching philosophy, his work with the 92nd Street uh, Classical Guitar Series, along with a book that was recently written for him. So today, I've got a really special sneak peek Um, As I mentioned, Ben has collaborated with some really interesting artists, one of them being Mark Martin, who was a 2016 American beatboxing champion. They wrote this piece together titled From Aristotle. It's in four movements, and Mark, being an amazing beatboxer, employs some really awesome sounds that we just never hear with the classical guitar, along with uh, some very interesting um, vocalizations and singing. And Ben wanted me to announce that he'll be releasing a neatly produced video of this piece on June 14th on his YouTube page. I'm really excited to see it myself, and I'm just as excited to have this preview for you. This is the second half of the piece, so I hope you enjoy from Aristotle. Not marking time. significant sound marking time marking time is in the noun is in the noun no part is in itself significant So has what the 
was Kano time, 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 present or past. Significant sound. Marking time. Marking time. As in the noun. As in the noun. No part is in itself significant.
from Aristotle? From Aristotle. From yeah. Aristotle. And I, I got to, I could genuinely say this is the very first time I heard the classical guitar with a beatboxer. And I was a little skeptical before I listened hearing that combo. And I got to say, I loved it. Thank I thought you, it was thank amazing. Thank you very much. Thank you. What, what gave you the inspiration to, to work with that beatboxer and to make such an interesting collaboration that no one has ever done before, in a sense? Oh, well, um, you know, first of all, I'm thrilled that you, that you like the piece. What happened was, is just, you know, this is part of the beauty of our lives. Like, you don't know who you're going to run into where. You know, and I think if you make it, what happened in that case was, I was my um, daughter's childhood friend is a hip hop artist named Billy, um, Billy Dean Thomas. And Billy and I had, we decided to collaborate. And in the a song that she wrote, and I was playing guitars and stuff, and um, the engineer and producer is this guy named David Vislocki. And David said, oh, I got a guy that has to come in tomorrow and just and is a beatboxer. You can't believe this guy. So he said, sure, great. So Mark comes in and the minute he opens his mouth, you know, doing what he does so brilliantly, we were just putty. We were like, oh my God, you know, we, dude. So after the session, we drove home. It was a long drive. The, the studio was up, up state. Okay. And um, just got talking about his life and the fact that his girlfriend is, it turns out with that, not at the time, but his girlfriend is a beatbox champion, won the beatbox championship of the world. Oh, wow. I said on that ride home, like, I really want to write a piece for the two, the two of us. And he said, sure. And that resulted in, in a meeting the next day. And in this, what happened was, you know, really deciding, okay, if we're going to do this, what is the text going to be? And he says, well, I'm really, you know, studied linguistics in college and I really love Aristotle. And I said, oh my God, that sounds fantastic. So Mark came up with the, the text, and then we decided the best way to proceed was to imp to just sit around and improvise. Yeah. So right here in this room, we just would improvise. Like, what sounds do you make, and how do you, and what sounds like? Because the classical guitar was new for him. So that led me, gave me a little bit of um, his vocab, musical vocabulary. Because yes, he's a world you know champion beatboxer. But he's a vocal artist, yeah. you know, really, you know, so he sings and he does all these. And so the piece uses all of these various things that he does, not just the beatboxing. And um, that was important for me to hear, you know, it was like, okay, what is this guy? It is the same for him because I would do this. Well, that's, that's great. Or this will, that will, you know, that Ponticello will sound great with this sound in my mouth. And like some of the runs, he literally go, I have to play the runs and you'll see him literally go through each note and what sound to use. It's, it's fascinating. Wow. And yeah, and of course, I got to learn about this whole world, you know, of beatboxing, which is which is like, you know, a community for sure. Yeah. You know, um, and ultimately they're imitators. You know, that's it's it sort of and that's sort of the basis of the first movement is you know, things as they are, as he said, you know, as they ought to be, we're, we're kind of imitating even the guitar, you know, maybe every instrument ultimately was imitating a bird or something or, and so that's what beatboxers are doing, you know, they're, they're recreating out of their mouth, drum, originally drum sounds, etc. So that, uh, you know, became the, the opening movement and then the movement 
called the noun of just saying Aristotle saying, well, what is a noun? And then verb, and then finally the wineless cup. Um, so that, you know, those were the movements that we decided. And then I just went, I spent, a, I wrote a lot of that in the hotel room in New Haven um, after teaching. And, but it, it really is co-written. I mean, yes, I wrote the notes and the quote melodies to some, you know, right? And the guitar part and everything. But, you know, without Mark, it would not be the piece, you know, so he, we would get together and then go through the movement because he, he reads music, but very slowly. And so it's, it's not, that's not his world. His world is more yeah. um, uh, oral. So, so we would put together the piece. I'd have this run. He said, yeah, well maybe, you know, and then we would, you know, sometimes move things around. And, and so I do think it very much is co-written, even yeah. though quote, I wrote the harmonies and blah, 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 you know? Yeah. Oh, what a, so so then yeah so now we've performed it about five or six times, and are definitely thinking of doing other so, some more collaborating some more we've got some ideas. Let's maybe put a program together because he can also he sing quite well. You know, as you see, mm -hmm. he really sings beautifully, and I, I've often had my friends tell me how much they love his singing voice because it's not a trained voice, it's but it's really beautiful. So it's really been uh, you know that one piece has been such a journey and and you know, opened up a lot of my, my, you know, musical skills. He's taught me a lot in you know, just about rhythm and time and, you know, sort of yeah. funny. I'll tell you a great story that I think is, so the piece opens up with us making sounds of nature and he's doing like, you know, wind sounds and I'm rubbing the guitar. And so right in this room, we're rehearsing. Maybe this is for the GFA or I think we did the premiere. I can't remember where the premiere was. Oh, it was New York City. And so I started to get really uptight, you know, and I started to say like, I don't know, man, you know, my students, you know, rubbing the guitar. And even though I'm, I'm usually all about that, but I, I started to get really insecure. And I said, it's going to be like fruitcake, man. I was just, just, you know, me rubbing you doing this sounds. I, don't, I just don't know. And, and he said, you know, it's fruitcakey if you think it's fruitcakey. But if you really believe in these sounds and become one with them, then it's not. And it was a great teaching. Wow. You know, it was a great, it was great to hear that. It's like, yeah, you're right, man. Yeah. You know, he's 30 years, I mean, I could be his father, you know, so, so it's like, <laughs> but it was a great teaching. So, so I, I, I learned, a, I'm learning a lot and learning, I, you know, he's a great, he did all the, we have a, a video of that coming out in two weeks, you know. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's more stage to stage video. Yeah, yeah. What a fascinating collaboration all together and it's so great to hear how that all started you know just in the recording studio because classical guitarists a lot of the time we get so caught up with everything and everything has to be perfect and reading sheet music and we never have these open collaborations where right on the spot we just start jamming out and everything and you hear all these stories you know with david bowie and queen and the studio recording under pressure and everything that's one of my favorite stories uh but you never hear anything like that with classical musicians just happening to meet some outstanding musicians yeah. uh, in the studio, then collaborating right on the spot. It's just so great to hear how that started just from that and has really emerged into such a fruitful collaboration. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you say that. I couldn't yeah. agree more. I, I mean, I must say, I think for a collaboration to happen as great, I mean, the musician has to inspire you. But you have to like the person too, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think that the minute I met Mark, I just liked him. Yeah. You know, so this guy's a cool guy. He's a great guy and very open and very intelligent. And and um, so I think that's any collaboration I've done, 
which have been a lot. You know, there's been a, you know, Bill Coulter and I made two records. I mentioned these new uh, great, you know, Bill Coulter is this fantastic steel string um, music, you know, bit of a musicologist in Irish music and one of my favorite guitar players for sure. But Bill and I have made two records and, and that's a collaboration and I've learned tons from him in that sense. And some of our, mostly doing arrangements, you know, with Bill. Yeah. Um, but I remember a couple of times, you know, just arranging something somewhat on the spot together. Like we both go in our corners and I said, okay, well, like we did this tune by Eddie Vedder called Rise. It was in this movie. Um, I think he did it just with mandolin. But Bill came to me and said like... An Eddie Vedder of uh, Pearl Chain? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. And um, that was interesting because it was his choice. And then I went back and said, well, what if we do this here? Do that there. But live, you know, improvising, you know, like with each other. And of course, and it's very exhilarating. You know, and then you, then you create this little thing, this yeah. little piece of music that, that has this meaning. And of course, with Andy Summers, um, that was really exciting in the way that you're saying. I mean, that was really like me coming in. So, you know, Andy has quite a lot of guitars in his studio. Um, I'm not going to say how many, but it's more than 10. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I would say like, well, I, I, I want to steal. I got, give, me, give me like a 12-string guitar. Because I do this thing with 12 strings a lot where I tune the strings differently. Yeah. Each one. And you make up these chords that are to die for. Mm. I'm not sure you'd want to do the, you know, Bach cello suites for those tunings. <laughs> but anyway, so so um, so I tuned it in this way, and then I, you know, I got chopsticks and I started, and it's Andy saying, "Oh, let's do it right now! Come on!" You know, and we just w recorded it, no rehearsal, nothing, and that was one of the two. So it's one and a half. I think the piece is a, a minute and thirty six seconds or something. It's called fingertips on the world i think on our record um and that's just me playing with the 12 string on my lap with the chopsticks playing certain rhythm and then knowing that i was going to stay in you know the, the six three you know the bottom three you know the courses of six five four and then as the piece progressed i move out into the, the other three strings you know the other yeah. three courses so um um Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a really fun piece. And and, um, and for our listeners, just in case if they don't know, Andy Summers is the guitarist from the British rock band, The Police. Yes, yes. I mean, now now doing solo stuff. Yes, but... tons of great solo. Yes, I mean, I'm glad you clarified that. I mean, just, uh, it was so funny when, when Andy and I first started hanging out, The Police had long been disbanded before the reunion. And we had to... When he, because he would come over, he'd eat dinner here a lot, and uh, and um, be, you know became like really close friends, and uh, we had to tell our children like you guys don't understand how big they were. We would yeah. have to explain to them, you know, like they were they were huge. They were the number one band. They were everywhere. You couldn't go anywhere without hearing them. So it's an you know it's an extraordinary. Nowadays, I mean Beyonce maybe you know is, is the most visible person mm -hmm. in or, or but 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 you know there aren't as many uh, you know rock bands now that are that dominant yeah. like dominant is the word i wanted so so yeah so we had to tell them like so so but yeah so that 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 record there were two or three improvisations like that, yeah. that was where we really didn't know where we we're going i mean i i have a chart to a degree 
but I don't know what he's going to do. And you're playing off each other. And that is exhilarating. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's just exhilarating. Very different than, than yeah, what, what we classical guitarists. And there's something when you're just right in the moment saying, let's record and let's do this. Sometimes you just get some of the most amazing uh, recordings. Yes, I think. And, and or, letting or go. Letting go, like yeah. just saying, look, if it's not good, it's not good. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, that's okay. You know, especially now since you have to, pay for the tape back in the day it was yeah like, right you know whoa we gotta we can't continue because there's no more tape you know well one of my uh teachers when i was doing the recording minor at usc andrew garver who i hope to have on the show sometime he's a phenomenal you must, you must. mastering engineer I, I mean done a lot of great work with michael jackson doobie brothers uh this guy is a serious audiophile you know but even he would say at the end of the day you have to capture the performance yeah. Even if you have the best microphones, the best preamplifiers and everything, if you don't capture performance, it's all for nothing. And I remember he showed us this video of, uh, wow, we're, we're going off topic for sure today. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. This no, is great. I was just thinking I two seconds this. ago, I was just thinking, <laughs> so far there's been no talk about the classical guitar. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, <laughs> you know, I had Matt Palmer on and like, I was like, oh, so who were some of your inspirations when you are younger? And he was listening to all these heavy metal players who so had no idea who they are. It's like, you know, this is this is awesome, dude. Sure, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it, it was Nirvana uh, recording um, Nevermind, their first record. Yeah. And it was, I, I forgot the Is that name the one it? with the baby floating? Yeah. With right, the, with the dollar bill and the baby. That yeah. guy, but there was some crazy article where that guy was interviewed recently. He says, I'm the dude. You know, he's like, whatever now. He's I, like 30 I, yeah. or, you know, it's like... <laughs> It's like, that's me. Yeah, I, I would not want that photo of myself uh, swimming around naked. Uh, I think well, it would be great. I mean, he's like... Well, that's how everyone knows you. You're, oh, you're the, you're the yeah. naked baby. Oh, I'm well, the, they don't... They, obviously, you know, they don't but, recognize me. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, it was the... Oh, this is driving me nuts why I'm forgetting the name of the song. But it was the acoustic song or one of the acoustic uh -huh. songs on the record. Not Smells Like Teen... teen no, teen no, um... It's a very soft song. You'll get actually. it. You'll get it. I'll Let get go. It yes. As soon as I stop yeah, recording this. Uh, but anyway, Butch Vigor, the recording engineer, was just in the control room and Kurt was just strumming an acoustic guitar and started singing this haunting song. And Butch was like, oh my God, we got to record this right now. And he just grabbed a cheap microphone for his vocal and another for the guitar. And, you know, the, obviously they had this great live room to record in, but it was just right in the moment, you know, not the best signal chain and everything. And it's kind of regarded as one of the most haunting, moving Nirvana songs now. You know, there's something about when you feel the performance just going for it right in the moment. Well, I, I think it's a great point to to discuss for those who... I was just talking about this yesterday with the string quartet that I'm working with mm -hmm. at Yale. Because they, they were about to record that afternoon. This was yesterday morning. We were rehearsing a piece that I want to talk about. Um, and... Uh, I was just saying of all the records I've done, which, you know, I've, I don't know, whatever, 18 or 20, you know. Yeah. Um, and the importance of the engineer being supportive. Yeah. And, and the importance of the vibe, you know, the vibe that the engineer puts out and the vibe of the room. And I mean, all those things really yeah. do affect, obviously, you know, the way you play is important and, and it being prepared, you know. Um, but... You can't underestimate that. So I think you're right. As, as great a sound as it may be, if the performance isn't there for some reason emotionally, it's still going to lay flat. Yeah. You know? It's, it's it, yeah. you know, as we've heard, you know. And and uh, so I, I, I think that's important for young people to really interview the engineer. Yeah. You know, he, not only to hear what he's done in the past and to... 
get some idea of what his or her concept is of sound or of the guitar sound. But do you, when you're really laying down, you know, bearing your soul in a, in a piece of music that you've prepared, whether it be your own piece or Bach or anything, right? Yeah. That's a very tender moment. This is it. Yeah. You know, they, they say, well, you can do it again. We have this kind of feeling of, well, we can come back. No, it, life doesn't work quite that easily, you know, to, to arrange a recording session, even in your own home. You, there's a mental and emotional um, build up to that, you know what yeah. I mean? That to, to get to that place of, okay, now I'm ready because I never feel ready, even, um, even when I'm really ready, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but I must say that that I the more prepared I remember, uh, I did some recording with a guy named Saul Solomon Silver, and who's a former student, my great cat and great great musician, and and I was gonna do it was about my Chacon video, um, the video of me playing the Chacon, which out in the middle of nowhere, which is a whole story, in on Maui, and I had already this is my second recording of the Chacon, so yeah. I, I had already. I went, but I decided that, well, if I make this video, I, I don't want to, because I sync, most of my videos are synced. Yeah. Because I want to do them in an extraordinary setting and I want them to be these like little art pieces or something about nature. And that one is particularly like a, you know, that was my climate change. I went to the most beautiful, very spiritually charged place on Maui. Yeah. I'll put a link in the description it's, for it's, this it's, for people who haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you, it's on the, the this drive. Um, called the Hana Drive and it's on the other side of the mountain and you can go there. You can, you know, and there's a whole, I wrote about it on my website, everything that could go wrong that day went wrong. I'm telling you, it was just un... So when you see me out there in the wind, that's after my car got towed. It was Labor Day. I paid a ton of money for this guy to come out in the middle of nowhere because I went down this muddy drive. Oh, you can't even imagine it. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Everything went wrong. <laughs> and my guy, I knew the guys that were filming at least, but we all had deadlines. I had a plane to catch. I'm on the other side, like, like three hours from the airport. It's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> my point is, back to the Chacon. So I thought, well, I can't do... Um, it doesn't feel right to sync to my old Chacon recording because I'm not that even that was like uh, I think as many as eight years ago. I'm not that guy. So I'm gonna redo it, even though there are many gestures and many things that are similar in it. Yeah. So I went into the recording studio a little cocky. I know the, I know the Chacon man, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't practice, but man, I got in there and it wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. I, I I was, you know, just and it I really wanted that thing down that day. You yeah, know, I really wanted to record that day. And Saul was saying, I mean, the vibe was great and all, but I wasn't really as prepared. And I said to, to myself, we even edited it, right? We edited it, quote, sounding, quote, perfect with edits, whatever. Mm -hmm. I just listened to it and said, no, this isn't good enough. Yeah. So I junked it. And then I came back two months later, really prepared. Yeah. Really prepared and had played it for friends. I wasn't playing any concert at that time, but I went out and played it for a bunch of friends before the recording and what a difference. So so I think yeah. that's one of the biggest things of recording is because that's it. Like you 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 you, you might re-record something. I've re-recorded I've recorded a piece twice and I don't like either of the recordings still. So I may do it the third time. I can tell you what it is. Um but um, <laughs> um but you know you don't get that many cracks at it. So it is, uh, you know, and it's an interesting dialogue. Like, well, why are recordings even necessary? Why should anybody make a CD? You know, why, what are they now? 
you know, to young people, like, what is this? And I, I don't know if, I certainly feel still, because I'm old school, you know, I grew up with records, I grew up smelling them and walking miles to buy a Beatle album, you yeah. know, into my hometown and devouring it, you know? And, and it always blows my mind that like I'm holding this cell phone and if you were to say like, yeah, I mean, you know, um, yeah, I can call up on my cell phone videos of Jimi Hendrix or anything or the Beatles. I mean, if you told me you were going to do that's mind bending yeah. that, that, that we have at our fingertips all this stuff. But those days, you just looked at the album cover and you devoured every word, every picture, and you and even the smell. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're if you so that's where I come from, and I think my my generation and and this idea of you know records are snapshots of who I am musically, just yeah. the way my pieces are. So if I don't do them, then I don't have anything. So I, I, I think for younger people, if you don't do recordings, well, what are you going to have to show when you're 45 or 50 or 60? You know, my case, 63, yeah. you know. What I mean? So I think they're, I still think they're important. And I still think, and, and you as an engineer slash musician are important. Because I do think that there's this relationship of the engineer and the, I know a couple of guys that like my great guitarist, Mike Nicolel. You know, Mike records himself and does all. I don't know how he does it. I mean, for me, you know, he goes into church at midnight and and he does everything. Yeah. I shoot me. That's just not going to happen. I mean, I don't have that gift. I mean, but but for me, it's been this collaboration. I yeah. I do want the producer. Uh, yeah. I don't want to be produced in the sense of driven crazy, but you know what I mean, like where you get too much information. But but you want the encouragement and the vibe, like I said earlier, to be there. You know. Yeah. So, but I but just just to say, like, so I think it's an interesting dialogue. What do we do with CDs? I don't want a thousand CDs, and you know, so we press less. But I still think we're going to have to document what you do. Maybe it can just come out in, in singles, you know. Like that's why I started doing videos because I just sort of said my first videos were were this set called the Shang Shangri La series that my daughter did of Faya's um, homenaje, mm -hmm. uh, Albenis uh, Cordoba, which is one of my old, you know, all these, and, and Julio Florida of, of Barrios. I just kind of had them in my fingers and I wasn't going to make a Spanish record. You know, the old days, it's like everything had to be framed. Oh, this is my song. I'll wait and not record the Faya and the Albenis until I have more Faya, you know, more Albain, more Granados, and yeah. that would be my Spanish record. And then I'll wait and do an all barrios. No, man, I'm done with it. I'm not going to do that, you know? So I just wanted to record them now because I was playing them and I had something to say with them. So I said, well, we'll do videos. Yeah. So in that sense, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm getting off, to, I'm moving to a different topic here. But in that sense, I like now this freedom of, of videos and that we just put something out. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be, although I am making albums. I'm in the middle of three different records. That that are framed, that you know, like the, the the next one that come out, it's all all my music with the Aristotle on it, and yeah. a duo with Simon Powis, and and a bunch of solo things. So yes, that's that's whatever that is, my third record of my own music, but or fourth, I can't remember. But the so yes, I still frame it, but I also love the fact that I can just put a video out, like I did at the Villa Lobos, or any of the ones, yeah, you know, or the Chacon is it is a new Chacon. You should see some of the comments in the Chacon, man. It's to die for. This guy's reverb is really incredible. Is that the mountains? <laughs> Seriously, because there's all these mountains behind. 
It's like, well, how did he get it? So the waves, you don't hear the waves. I love those guys. I love them. Um, well, you know, I've got a question, actually. How do you go about syncing? Oh, that's a good question. The video? Because I'm sure you're the same, you know, with each performance. It's slightly different in regards to how much rubato and everything you're using. Thank you. That's a great question. Torture. Literal torture. Yeah. Because the Chaconne... My wife is not so pleased with me because we were supposed to have a vacation, and and I we were on another island, so I had to fly to Maui uh -huh. from Honolulu. Um, yeah, from Honolulu, where we were staying on vacation. It's supposed to be you're not supposed to be two hours at least a day over and over the recording because you don't. I don't know where the pauses are, so I rehearse like a fanatic. Yeah, with the record over and over, and I play when you every video I do, I'm playing full on as loud as I can play because I'm playing it. But yeah. yes, I'm sinking it. But so I sometimes with retards, I literally can hear a squeak or there'll be, it won't necessarily be a musical thing or I'll, I'll count to myself, okay, one, two, three, enter. And so when really you're doing a, the yeah. recording, are you playing, or the video, Yeah. are you playing the recording? as well or dude yeah of course yeah. i yeah that's the that's that's the challenge is that's you my guys now i got this two guys called polyphonic if you ever want to have anything filmed on maui polyphonic industries or inc i thought they're called so we we like i mean we've done four videos now the last one was hilarious um because it was the villa lobos and i said yeah man look i'm looking i wanted to be in this rainforest and they said well dude you know I don't think we can get you. We'll do what we can. We have this property that we... So they found this great stream. Yeah. But I swear to God, there's a scene in it where I'm on this rock, you know, and I'm trying to balance... Because I have to play. I can't... It's important with the videos for me that the, that the guitar audience does see... It's not like, you know, like Guitar Salon where you, you can literally get all the fingerings, you know? So I am... There's distant shots, and yes, you're going to see... Uh, the, the river, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Which is what my want, you know? But um, nonetheless, you have to play. And so, but but we would think, well, man, if we could get you in, the, in that rock in the middle of the stream, that would be killer. And there's all these shadows, you know, because they're, they're into it too from, from, from their standpoint, artistically, you know, the, yeah. the, the reflections of the water, like there's some really cool stuff. Well, you should see me. I'm on that. I'm trying to play, and at one point, I think I'm going to fall. And then he's handing my guitar, which is like, you know, I know the guitar maker, but it's seven, eight thousand dollar guitar, and, and I'm, you know, oh, you can't believe it. It's just <laughs> mad. So yes, so they have to crank. They bring this speaker like this, and they just crank, crank it. it. I tell them, dudes, you have no idea. Well, you can't believe the Chacon, because it was like the Chacon. There was so much wind and stuff. It was like, oh my god, and the oceans crashing. But we did it, and yeah. then you have to conceal it. You can't have the speaker yeah, fizz, right? <laughs> Which is because you want it as close to you as possible. Yeah, but without being in the shot. Yeah. Wow. So that's that's what it is. Yeah. But no, I mean, I rehearse tirelessly, yeah. tirelessly, like over and over and over. The um, the new one that's coming up from Aristotle that was that was very challenging because it was with Mark. But but you could also say, well, you can always cut to Mark, but not always. You know, you can't. You can say you can cut and use B-roll, and which is true, but you know you really want it artistically cool. I mean, you, you, it's it's a drag when you have the great shot and you're not synced, and there's only so much you can do. To, you can you can fudge the syncing a little bit, but yeah. only so much. You know? Yeah. Wow, it's a whole nother world. I I've, yeah, <laughs> I usually just do the clap, but I'm I'm not in. And I do I live yeah. I do live videos 
but I don't play very accurately a lot of the time, so that really bothers me. But I have things up on YouTube that are live on stage that I'm okay with. But the, the scenery... You but I'm not these... like, you know, I can name me like, all oh, these people that play... I just don't do... It's not, you know... I the do. scenery you get from these shots in Hawaii, it's just stunning. Thank, well, that was the idea. Yeah. That just, was the idea. I'm, I, just I'm beautiful. Whole, yeah, and, and thank you. I'm, I, thank you. And, and it's, it, there had been a joy to do except for the Chacon. But it's such a great story. I, I write about it on my webpage. It, 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 it's called The Making of the Chaconne. You can see it in my... You cannot imagine what, how many things <laughs> went wrong. You just can't. It was just... Uh, but you still got it. We got it, man. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing. Pro- that would be a bummer if it was all that Ow! trouble for oh, nothing. Say, <laughs> yeah, and it's so true. And at the end, I, I always look at it and go, like, I'm so happy I did that. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. Thank you, Ben, for being on the show. Please join me next week on June 2nd for part two of Benjamin Verdery. I'll leave things today with a beautiful rendition of the prelude from Box Cello Suite number four. I'm David Steinhardt, and we'll see you next time for the Tone Bass Classical Guitar Podcast. (laughs) 